They're, they're, they're discussing who's going to go first. Maestro, <laughs> you've got the second half. <laughs> the Planets, wow, we had a fantastic beginning to the concert with the Auerbach and then the Mendelssohn, which we just heard. There was some drama. We'll ask Ray Chen about it in just a moment, but he was changing instruments, yes? Well, um, I think Ray will explain this a little bit better than me, but of course this kind of drama uh, happens sometimes in a concert when a string is broken or some loses their intensity or so like this, and so he had switched the violin. But Ray will uh, um, will talk about that. I am so happy that he was playing the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto with us with a great energy and feeling for emotions. And it's beautiful to bring back him and with this great uh, Violin Concerto, which was uh, world premiered at 1845 by Ferdinand David, who was a concertmaster of the Gewand Orchestra in Leipzig. Everyone should come tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, Sunday afternoon at 2.30 to hear this concert. It was a sensational start with the Lyra Auerbach and the ethereal sound of the glass harmonica and our amazing theremin sound with a big swoop of, uh, of electronic sound. Uh, a great beginning. And, and then uh, on the second half, we have the uh, Holster Planets. Now, the radio audience will not see the visuals. Can you describe them a little bit? We have pictures of the solar system from NASA. You're not really able to look at them either because they're projected above your head. Well, I have indeed uh, watched it because we made a tryout and, and a, a dress rehearsal for, uh, for this, and so I know all the uh, images. But what is more important, and that's also for the audience in the hall, but also those who are listening in the, the radio, the image what uh, Gustav Holz himself uh, gave through the music, actually this is also a painting, this is also something, an image, and I think you are um, uh, getting an idea what Holst without knowing, and he could not know the, uh, the, uh, the pictures of NASA, the real pictures, how they look like, but uh, he had an idea how these um, planets must have looked like uh, in his head, in his vision, and what is more important is that he put a certain character into these planets. So it's like figures um, in a Greek mythology. It's, it, I think it is somehow he gives the Mars a very prominent and energetic um, um, uh, hero. Whenever Neptune is a little, a little, bit, a little bit softer and rounder, and the Saturn, by the way, um, was the the the, uh, the, uh, the movement which Gustav Holst himself loved most. And it is a very sweet um, uh, movement, very silent and poetic. And I think when the, when the chorus is coming in the end, what a great idea to fade out, to uh, leave um, the, the uh, musically uh, this this whole uh, piece in the in the eternity. I think it's there's so many things you can describe and and I think uh, whether you're listening um, in the radio or in the hall you get a, a strong idea what it could be when you live on this planet at these planets. But do not adjust your receiver. There's nothing wrong with the radio. There'll be a long period of silence at the end as the Mendelssohn Choir singers fade into that infinity that you mentioned. Absolutely, that's right. And they will be in the staircases in, uh, here in the Heinz Hall on the side. It is the best uh, place for the offstage acoustic. And you indeed hear this, uh, that they walk away. In, in fact, they don't walk away. But what we do is uh, we close the doors so that it, it sounds like they would disappear in the eternity. Great effect and I'm very looking forward to this moment. 
like Ray Chen, you are cool as a cucumber, but I do want you to have a few minutes to yourself to relax and gather your thoughts for the second half of the concert. Thank you so much for this live broadcast on the radio. Such a joy to share. Thank you so much and all the best to all the listeners. Enjoy the second half as well. See you soon. Here is Ray Chen. Thank you so much. The two of them are posing for a photograph with beautiful smiles here and the instrument in the hand of Ray Chen. Wow, you were fantastic, amazing, and drama with the string breaking at the uh -huh. end. Thanks so much, Jim. It's so good to see you again and so great to be back in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, there was a little bit of drama at the end of the first movement. Uh, what happened was, you know, due to the dry weather, I think that the, uh, the E string, the peg, just completely slipped. So the E string just unraveled. I completely lost the E string. Uh, it was right at the finale, right at the coda section. And I quickly uh, looked at David. I said, David, I need your violin. He looked up, I mean, it was just so in the moment I had like two bars and he was still playing so I quickly yelled at him over the tootie I said David give me your violin <laughs> then he gave we made the switch and and that's what happened play the rest of the third movement uh, the last final page on uh, on his instrument what did David do? Did he grab an instrument from somebody else? I think so. I think so. He grabbed. I was too busy just adjusting to his 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 violin that I didn't really have time to to look. But I think that's what happened. Look on the radio. It was seamless. You couldn't hear any any unusual happenings whatsoever. It sounded absolutely spectacular. Well, those moments are always exciting, and I I think that for the orchestra, I remember last time uh, I was here. I think I broke an E string. So. When I said, oh, I lost the E string to the audience, someone yelled out, again! <laughs> well, sometimes they think it's because of your intensity of playing, but that's not really the, the general uh, reason. Yeah, sometimes it's the intensity. I mean, you know that there's like about 50 pounds of weight spread across four strings, so it's a lot of weight uh, on the bridge. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, it, it's, it's not unusual for, you know, us violinists to Add all that extra weight from the from those high tension, uh, the high sounds, uh, high notes there in the in, uh, in the concerto, and then boom, you just suddenly the string might break, the string might collapse. You know, there's there's all sorts of things. It's like Formula One race race cars. Look who's here, David McCarroll. Oh, uh, lean, hey. in, lean in so I can ask you both. Stand close together here. We got to get a picture of you too. All right. Now, David, did you get someone else's instrument? You gave your instrument to Ray. I did. I got Irene's violin, who was directly behind me. Um, I actually thought his E-string had broken completely because I took one look at it, and it just wasn't there. It was, you know, like below the bridge, basically. Um, but it could just be restrung. So that luckily, someone behind me could restring it and hand it back to Ray for the encore, which was beautiful. The Thank you. Has it ever happened to you? This has never actually happened to me. Fingers crossed. Somehow, still never happened. So you've never had a situation where your E-string broke or someone had to switch violins with you? Not in a concert. In a rehearsal, for sure. But never in a concert. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I've done to anger the, the, the string gods because I have had so many mishaps with E-strings that, it, I mean, maybe it's just a, a matter of, you know, like roulette. At some point, you're just going to, after if you play 100 concerts a year, you know, every few years, this ought to happen. But... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this is an old instrument as well, the 1714. That's is when this it's the one known as the Dolphin? That's correct, yeah. Where did it get its name? I think a dealer had a vivid imagination, took a look at this instrument and said, oh, it looks like a dolphin. I, I don't really quite understand why. Maybe it's the, you know, the noise that's, uh, you know, <laughs> from, from dolphin noise. But, uh, you know, it's, it used to belong to the famous violinist Yasha Heifetz. It's a Stradivarius, of course. Uh, but uh, Heifetz, yeah, he used to carry it around with him. He would carry this instrument and the Del Jesu. 
David, had the two of you had a chance to meet before, you and Ray? Not before this week. It's been such a pleasure. I'm glad you made it sound so seamless. The, audio, the radio audience would have no idea that there was any stress whatsoever. So we'll look forward to hearing more from you in the second half. You had a nice moment in the Lyra Auerbach, too, as yes. well. Yeah. Some of the highest notes I've ever seen written for the violin, but it goes very well with the story of Icarus and, and ascending and, and then descending. And in the holst, do you have a solo moment in the holst? Uh, a few little uh, English melodies passed around between all of us, yes, a few. David McCarroll, Ray Chen, all the best to both of you. Now I'm going to hang on to Ray for one more minute because I want you to tell me about Tonic. Tonic, your app, what, what's happening there? What's it all about for folks who haven't heard about it? So, you know, a lot of people both you know, baked bread during the pandemic or uh, did other things, I decided to, you know, create uh, an app that's basically a community space for musicians of all levels to come together and practice and grow together. So Tonic uh, Music App is what we're called and we are, we've just actually launched on Monday. So very excited, it's been a very exciting time for us uh, and the team, you know, we, we launched uh, on Monday. So this is, this is the week, the first week of launch. We were in closed beta for about 18 months before then testing and iterating on the product and then we finally opened and it's been it's been so wonderful to see so many people uh, come together and just support each other you know it's like, practicing is a lonely thing so uh, when you're practicing by yourself you don't often get to play in front of people but then by the time you're ready to play in front of people you're you're kind of nervous you're so nervous that all that practicing that you did by yourself just kind of goes out the window so uh, this this app uh, seeks to change that to help people to come together and, and, and support each other and then knowing that people could sort of come into your practice room uh, at any given moment it's it's a it's a feeling that puts you in that that space between practice and performance we call it sharing I must download it immediately and check it out that's for sure thanks so much for sharing your Mendelssohn with us you played it recently in LA with Matthias Pincher and where else uh, you were in Japan with Leonard Slatkin that's right, and uh, next I'll be going to Paris uh, to play it with Dima Slobodonok. So uh, that's uh, with the Orchestra de Paris. So Mendelssohn is uh, on the menu for this season. It's working for you, let me tell you. Ray Chen, spectacular. Have you met our theremin player, Arturo Fernandez? Absolutely. Mr. Fernandez, come in and say, say hello. Now, Ray earlier was fooling around with your instrument. Yeah, he was. Like, can you imagine? The violin virtuoso messing on your instrument. I'm going to have to get it signed now. <laughs> and you were able to make music with it, I understand. Well, let's, uh, you know, I think making music is a stretch. But, I mean, Arturo was very kind to teach me the few of the basics of uh, theremin. Basically, it's actually very similar, uh, I mean, at least in concept. Uh, to the violin. He told me that it was actually invented by a violinist, right? Amateur cellist, actually. But the our, our instrument's first virtuoso, Miss Clara Rockmore, she was initially a violinist, and then she took up the theremin. So a lot of what we get from our theremin technique is string is based on string technique. So, yeah, it's sort of based on a lot of what Ray has been doing. <laughs> One hand for the volume, one hand for the melody. Is that how it works? <laughs> that, that's actually pretty similar to the violin, isn't it? <laughs> and have you ever played the Beach Boys' Good Vibrations? No. no. Oh, I'll have to give that a go next time. I, I attempted to play the opening of the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto today. Uh, yeah, you'll see it on the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra Instagram. Go check it out. It's a little, uh, it's a little wobbly. <laughs> Ray Chen. I mean, you know what? With only having 10 minutes on the instrument, it just sounded good, so... <laughs> 
You two are the best. You really are just extraordinary. How great that we were able to share it in a live broadcast this evening. Tomorrow night, a chance to catch it in person at 8 o'clock, Sunday afternoon at 2.30. Enjoy your weekend in Pittsburgh, Ray. All right, thanks so much, Jim, and thanks to all of you who are listening tonight. Have a good evening. Ray Chen, our soloist in the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. Arturo Fernandez, who is from Boston and playing the theremin this evening. Uh, where does one buy a theremin? Is there one place in the world to go? Um, actually, I believe you can get theremins off of Amazon. Um, but, um, but no, um, usually the main theremin maker now is Moog. Um, I know they just came out with a new Etherwave, so now is probably a really good time to get it, especially because the instrument recently turned 100. It was invented in 1919, so there's that going on. Invented by Leon Theremin, a Russian uh, musician, scientist, uh, kind of a futurist, an unusual mystical guy. Oh, absolutely. And he had a wild life story, let me tell you. Um, like, you wouldn't think it, but most inventors of instruments don't get abducted by the KGB. <laughs> but no, he was a very fascinating guy, and he wanted to create an instrument that anybody could play, and of course he came up with something that anybody can pick up but is extremely hard to master. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's been absolutely crazy bringing it to Pittsburgh tonight, and I, my God, sorry, I'm still not used to the fact that I'm on public radio. Can, hi, Mom! <laughs> it's so great to have you here, and what do you do when you're not playing the theremin? Oh God, I'm running around doing a lot of other stuff. I'm also a violist. I play with a string trio, Trio Menagerie. We play conventions usually. Um, I also compose a lot. I'm actually in the process of writing a theremin sonata for another uh, thereminist by the name of Torvald Jorgensen. Um, he's a fantastic player in Europe. Um, and yeah, I also just do a lot of other stuff with the day job. And I'm also an opera critic in the Boston area as well. So you can find my stuff at schmopera.org, I think it is, so. Repeat the address again so I can find it. Um, schmopera.org, that'll be S-C-H-M-O uh, opera, the rest of it. Um, sorry, my, my brain is a little in 10 different directions. Right we get now. the idea. And uh, what have you reviewed recently? What opera have you heard in Boston? Uh, the most recent one I reviewed was actually a, a thing done by a small opera company called Boston Opera Collaborative. They did this thing where they got a bunch of composers to respond to Schumann's Dichterliebe, and they staged it, essentially. It was like, it was Dichterliebe interspersed with all these original songs by like eight different composers with different librettists called in to write poetry for it. So that was a very fascinating thing to look at. Now, how's your Pittsburgh experience been? Have you had a chance to look around your hotel room at all, or were you entirely focused on the rehearsals here? I'm actually staying with a couple of friends of mine in the area. Uh, shout out to uh, Evan and Keith. Um, I, one of them is in the audience right now. I don't know if the other one's listening off. He was too tired to show up, unfortunately. Um, but I, I actually haven't been able to run around too much because most of the time after this, I'm just like, I need to just hang for a second. Um, but no, I've, this would actually be my third time in Pittsburgh. I've been here a couple other times in a tourist capacity. Um, and yeah, it's... It's just been a good amount of fun. And 
I understand there's some fun in the lobby tomorrow night with the theremin. There's going to be a demonstration. Are you involved in that? Bronwyn Bannert's dad, who uh, I believe worked for the Jet Propulsion Laboratory of NASA and is involved, uh, certainly knows about the projection of the planets, scenes that we're going to see in the holds the planets on the second half. But he's involved with the theremin too yeah. somehow, I believe. Well, I mean, leave it to a NASA scientist to know the ins and outs of it. Um, but no, um, I do plan on showing up to the demonstration tomorrow. It's, I believe it's running an hour before the show starts at 7 o'clock. So, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that, I hope to be there and I hope to help a bunch of people just have a little fun on it. Worth coming early for. All the best to you. Arturo Fernandez from Boston in Pittsburgh this weekend playing the theremin and we hear you how many seconds of music. There, there's a dramatic swoop that's very clearly audible and what is Lyra Auerbach telling us with your instrument? Is this when Daedalus is getting too close to the sun or what? Yeah, I think that's really what it is. Um, and actually if I could take a second, what I love about Lyra's piece as well is that I kind of love the ending the most because she taps it to something almost mournful in the theremin sound and it's something that a lot of composers don't take advantage of and I'm glad she takes advantage of it here. <laughs> Arturo. Arturo Fernandez. I'm Jim Cunningham. We're meeting this crazy way for the first time yeah. live on the air. It's so <laughs> great to speak with you. All the best for your weekend in Pittsburgh with the Lyra Auerbach Icarus and all the other adventures that you will have. Please come back soon. All right. Thank you. Au revoir. We'll see you again next time. And listen for you for sure playing the theremin in Lyra Auerbach's Icarus. We wanted to hear a little.